Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl G., and I bring you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California. I'll be your host for the hour. With us today, we also have our co-host, Jenny Firmer. Thank you, Jenny, for being on the line. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yes, Jenny is the Associate Executive um, uh, director. director. Thank you. I wanted to, On the tip of my tongue, I had producer, but of course I'm thinking Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> Executive Director at Alpert Jewish Family and Children's Services in West Palm Beach, Florida. So, again, thanks, Jenny. Pleasure. Mm-hmm. And then Ms. Valerie Wright, our associate producer and the CEO of Wright Ideas Incorporated, based also in West Palm Beach, Florida. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you, Dr. G. Looking forward to another great conversation. Yes, and I'm looking forward to responding to our listening audience's questions and concerns again. And, Jenny, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the line today as well to help field those questions. I always enjoy being on on the front line trying to figure out how to best answer questions. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> Wonderful. So, Valerie, before we get started, could you um, share with our listening audience again the call-in number as well as the email address? Absolutely. The number to call for questions is one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero, or send emails to Dr. G at InnoVisions.org. And Dr. G is dr.g at InnoVisions, I-N-N-O-V-I-S-I-O-N-S. We have our own fancy way of spelling it. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Thanks, Valerie. You're welcome, Dr. G. Okay. And then as we actually go through the questions, I will invite our listening audience to also add your thoughts to the responses that uh, Jenny and I give. Okay. So, Val, do you want to start us off with the first question? Absolutely. Okay. So our first question comes from Carolyn in Florida, and her question states, does a leader need power, and how can a leader avoid being corrupted by power once they obtain it? Oh, okay, I think we actually filled that one last week, um, but we can go with did we, Jenny? Does that sound familiar? It sounds very familiar. Oh. Yeah, so we'll give Carolyn a double dose and see if okay. we say this week, same thing we said last week. <laughs> it may not be the same, I can't guarantee that. And yeah, and I don't know that I remember from last week either what, we, what was said. Um, my uh, bias would certainly be, you know, looking at how the word power is defined. I think of power as influence. And I think absolutely a leader needs to have influence. And um, I think that a leader needs to understand that their influence or their power certainly is limited um, as it relates to, you know, I'm going now to the second part of that question, how can a leader avoid being corrupted? I think a leader can avoid being corrupted by making sure that they, um, don't become self-centered or narcissistic and think that they're, you know, that what was that quote? Um, absolute power corrupts absolutely. I think when you get to the point where you think you are so powerful and when it's all about you, that's when it becomes pretty dangerous. I think as long as we're using our influence in the best interest of others and from a space of service, 
then um, not having to worry about that. But if it becomes self-serving, then it's, I think, Carolyn, that's when it becomes uh, pretty frightening. Uh, Jenny, anything you'd add to yeah, that? Yeah, and, and when I think of, of power, before I think of being corrupt, but when I think of leadership and power, I think immediately we tend to think of that control. But actually, high-level leaders do um, think of themselves as having power of the position, which is usually a formal authority. Um, and there's the power of relationships. And with the power of relationships often comes power of information and power of expertise. I think I would agree with you 100%, Cheryl, that the issue for me is when it becomes manipulative and when people use their, uh, quote, power or influence or authority inappropriately. Right, absolutely. And I don't think anyone wants to be um, reporting to, working with, supporting someone in an endeavor with a leader who has no influence. I mean, influence is really about how a leader goes about making things happen. So, you know, I I circle back and really underscore um, maybe transitioning the thinking and really looking at what, Carolyn, what you might be thinking of is um, hopefully is influence um, to make things happen. Okay, Valerie, you have another question there for us. I have a question from Lillian. She doesn't give a location. Okay. Uh, she states, our company has about 300 employees, and recently our CEO decided to establish a training department. As the HR manager, I have been given the responsibility of developing the unit, including staffing, budget, and training curriculum. How would you advise I get started, and will you share any resources that would support me in planning? Okay, love that, Lillian. Um, I kind of have my thoughts where I want to start with that, but Jenny, where would you start with that? Any any thoughts you well, want to go first? I think mm-hmm. this is something that you really spend a lot of time doing, so maybe you could lead us off with this, Cheryl. Okay, I, I think for myself, um, Lillian and I would start with getting clear on what the mission, vision, and the values of are of your organization. So you want to be clear with regards to the strategic direction that your organization's moving in, and then what are the strategic initiatives that they have underway or are projecting to be underway as relates to moving that organization forward. And in that um, capacity of the training director, one would, or to say of having a training department, one would see yourselves as helping to ensure you have a skilled and competent workforce. So the question becomes, what do you need to be skilled and competent in and what else needs to happen as part of that work culture? Because I think um, training is a really good space for um, thinking about the support function of establishing a culture that also um, is essential to getting performance within an organization. So really um, getting in tune with what are the competencies that are necessary within your department, or within your organization, organizationally wide, um, that will be necessary to drive things forward, and then being able to do a, um, a gap analysis with regards to doing your own um, analysis as relates to are there some um, know-how gaps, and if there are some competency gaps, then how would you fill those gaps? If there's probably wonderful resources available on the Internet if you put in uh, a Google search, something like um, training plan or um, training needs analysis, 
that could give you a pretty good roadmap for figuring out how you might go about actually doing your training um, your training plan. And then I would suggest um, after you get that done, Lillian, taking that information and stepping back and really seeing what are some of the training functions or skill development functions that you're going to have to do so that then you can um, identify activities and with those activities begin to identify cost to then put that framework together for your budget and staffing needs. That's just kind of like very high level a process that you might consider to kind of noodle you into getting started on that process. Uh, Jenny, anything you'd add? Yeah, I, th- I think of, of also Googling models, training uh, models mm-hmm. might be a good way to go. And um, Cheryl, I have a question for you. When uh-huh, you talk sure. about competencies this way, mm-hmm. um, are you talking about knowledge and skills, being able to really identify the competencies in terms of knowledge and then the competencies in terms of skills? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it is the total know how. It's it's the knowledge and the ability to perform. So what's mm-hmm. the knowledge that they need? What's the ability that they need relative to performance? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think of human capital a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if if one is looking at starting or initiating some kind of training module, um, and understands as you suggested, really looking at the whole know how and being able to pass that out, then. It may be a whole different level of analysis, but really understanding return on investment. If you do this kind of training, what can we expect would be the return on investment? And I think it it sounds a little scary, but I think if we are really wanting to, quote, sell any kind of training to our own leadership, that if we can apply dollar amount next next to or as part of that return on investment, I think that goes a long way. Yeah, no, I think absolutely, and I, and I think that's really why Lillian's going to want to get clear on, you know, what are the competencies that are needed and where are they with regards to having those competencies. And again, when I say competencies, it's the know-how mm-hmm. as well as the ability to do and mm-hmm. put a um, training plan together that really makes sure any gaps get met so that she has a skilled and competent workforce that will perform as needed to accomplish mm-hmm. whatever needs to be accomplished. Yeah. And what I tie that great. culture piece into that because right. we say the culture becomes whatever's being modeled, supported, and rewarded. And supported is a huge part in that is the training. It's, it's the know-how piece. What were you going to say, Jenny? Uh, sorry, I interrupted you. No worries. Um, I took the gap. But <laughs> I think that um, what I'm really impressed about, Lillian, is that you've been asked to do Absolutely. That's, that's exciting. Really. Sometimes we're having to sell mm-hmm. um, and really help our leadership see the benefit of doing some kind of internal training and mm-hmm. developing this kind of training module. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think definitely. It, it, and that's a very, that's an admirable thing. I think of the, you know, top-level leadership within an organization really kind of stepping back are those who really think of, you know, what do I need to be doing as it relates to um, growing the competencies within this organization to take it to that space uh, where it needs to be moving. And so for um, so to have leadership that literally is thinking about that is um, admirable. So kudos to you, Lily, and best luck and, you know, I say best wishes in pulling all that together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Um, Valerie, do you want to lead us off with another question? 
Yes, we have a question from Michael in Washington. Mm-hmm. His question, is there any research showing the top five or six characteristics people look for when hiring managers and leaders? Can you share them or share even what you found those characteristics to be? Okay, great. Well, what we'll do is look forward to coming back in just a moment and responding to whose question was that? Michael. Michael out of Washington. That's what you said. Thank you, Michael. We'll be right back with um, and ask you to stay with us and ask our other listeners to stay with us. Take a short break and be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Thank you, and we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. I'm Cheryl G., and I bring you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California. And Jenny Firmer is also on the line as our co-host for today. Um, Jenny is Associate Executive Director at Alfred Jewish Family and Children's Services in West Palm Beach, Florida. And our executive producer is, outside out of, is also out of West Palm Beach, Florida, Valerie Wright, with Wright Ideals Incorporated. Thank you both for being on the line. And Valerie, before we went to, yes, before we went to break, Valerie, you shared a question from Michael in Washington. Could you reread Michael's question? Gladly. Uh, his question 
states, is there any research showing the top five or six characteristics people look for when hiring managers and leaders? Can you share them? Can you share them or even what you found those characteristics to be? Okay, very good. Um, Jenny, anything? Um, well, there are a few that come to mind. Um, one of the things if I'm interviewing for um, someone who's going to be in a management or leadership position specifically, although I believe leadership is at all levels within organizations, I'm really looking for some sense of authenticity, someone who really is comfortable in their own skins. Um, that's not scientific. Um, it really is much more kind of an, of an art to really look for someone and be interviewing them and see how they uh, come across. I think, Michael, also, um, you know, I come to this looking at how to find the right, quote, leader. Um, I know that leaders can't possess all skills that they need. Uh, but is it someone who's willing to and can persuade me, uh, influence me, if you will, that they understand that they need a strong team, however that street team is structured? So I'm also looking for really good communication skills as well as interpersonal skills. Um, you know, are they going to buy into the mission? Do they have vision? Which is, you know, at some point do I feel like this is someone who, who can um, be part of a mission and vision. I'm looking for someone who has an I-can-do attitude and someone who is going to have some sense of inspiration or inspiring uh, that they're going to be able to have others look up to them in some way. Mm-hmm. And then I think ambition because you really want someone with all of these kinds of similar characteristics to be able to ultimately practice and really put into place that which they have to offer. Mm-hmm. Great. I love that, Jenny, and I so agree with all of what you said. And I think, Michael, um, as I think what will, would vary for me would be what level of leadership um, you're looking at hiring someone into. Um, is it a... Is it a um, entry level supervision versus someone who's going to be, you know, leading a department? Um, because I think the competencies will be different. Um, there are, I think, lots of leadership development. Um, one might say trainings available um, that just going to various websites and looking at those could give you some ideas as to what would be some of the. Uh, things that are, I think those things that we try to develop in a lot of the leadership development programs are related to those things that are characteristics and skills and competencies, kind of going back to that, that we would want to see in others. From a character perspective, um, Jenny, I think you're absolutely right with regards to someone who's comfortable in their own skin. Do they appear to be authentic and comfortable with who they are? Do they appear to be someone who has, for me, some level of warmth, I think, is real important and hard to develop in someone as a competence. If I just think from a character perspective, is this someone who will be approachable to others so that they will be able to then develop effective relationships so that they can work effectively with others who are um, peers above them, contracting with us as well as be able to develop those effective relationships to be able to be able to develop and coach staff. 
um, the Center for Creative Leadership, I think, has a wonderful website for being able to click through and see the different levels of leadership, which might trigger some thoughts, Michael, with regards to some things you might consider and think about um, as relates to some of the competencies, but then also backing up from that what might be some of the characters that are characteristics someone might need to have in order to be effective in doing what I like to call the dance as a manager. You know, it's really kind of being able to um, play a, a lot of different roles or be in a lot of different roles and be a lot of different things to a lot of different people um, in order to be, one might say, effective. So being agile, are they a flexible person, um, all those types of things um, that I think step beyond um, Characteristics. I think when Valerie first uh, read that, I was thinking competencies, Michael, and I'm transitioning into them, settling into backing up one layer into actually thinking characteristics. So, but hopefully that gives you some food for thought. I would add one more, Cheryl. Uh huh. Passion. Oh yeah, I think passion's totally important. I think that's a great one. That's a great one to add. You know, and again, I think nowadays we live in this world of um, the Internet, so even Googling top characteristics of leaders, I bet you'd get some list of um, characteristics that could um, really give you some additional food for thought, Michael. But thanks again for um, sending your question to us, and hopefully, hopefully we've given you some food for thought as well. Dr. G, there is a book I would recommend as well called The Extraordinary Leader, and I can't remember both authors' name, but I know one of the authors is Joseph Folkman, um, and it ta- it deals uh, quite a bit with leadership characteristics and how to build them, and so that may be another option for him to get a- that book as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. You know, and I know some of the trainings that we've done has been. Um, We'll start off, you know, because these are some of the basics with regards to what type of people do you like to work with. Mm-hmm. And people will usually put things up there like, you know, people who listen, people who can, mm-hmm. um, who are honest. People, those things that make good, positive people mm-hmm. very often become the foundation for good characters right. also are characteristics for a leader. Yeah, I think one, and I, I'm not sure if I heard it, and that is someone who's willing to change and lead change. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. You remind me, Valerie. I'm uh, just finished reading a book that actually was just recently published by Betsy Myers, mm-hmm. um, and it's called "Take the Lead: Motivate, Inspire, and Bring Out the Best in Yourself and Everyone Around You." Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And she was. Uh, she worked for Bill Clinton. Um, and also with some extraordinary leaders, and she's kind of weaved in some of the things that she's learned and some of the characteristics that she really values. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Oh, very good. Uh, thank you again, Michael, for your question. Valor, do you have another question for us? I have a question that I just got in. Um, the question is from Chloe, and her question is, what is the key to getting managers to develop their direct reports. Hmm. Okay. And, Jenny, you want to start us off or do you want me to go on that one? 
You sound ready to go. I always defer to you first, Cheryl. (laughs) I like to defer to you first as well. (laughs) So what is the key? I I think the key to getting managers to develop their direct reports is holding that manager responsible for what that manager needs to be held responsible for. Um, Everyone who's serving in a a leadership capacity who has direct reports, they have the direct reports because there's an expectation that they have a – they, they have deliverables that won't be delivered without additional resources to help those things happen. So if a direct report's not performing, my assumption is going to be that that's leading to not being able to get things done. So I think being clear with the manager regarding um, what the manager's role is and being clear with the manager with regards to, I'd say, expectations monitoring that manager's um, performance with regards to if it's, you know, how if the question is how are you holding your staff accountable, I'm assuming there's an issue or a concern somewhere as to um, something's not getting done. And um, so if it's not getting done, again, it, it's really just the basic performance management system. It's a basic, it's, you know, being clear on expectations, it's putting a, system in place to monitor, is it getting done? And then there's consequences. If you're on track, great job. Love the way you're developing your people. Love the way they're delivering on yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Um, And if it's not being done, then it's um, consequences starting with the, you know, conversation that says not meeting the expectations. What do we need to do to support you in meeting those expectations? Providing the coaching. And if they respond to the coaching, great. And if they don't respond to the coaching, then proceeding with a progressive disciplinary process that makes the expectations clearer and documents the effort to not only be clear about it, but to support them in developing. And that could start with an oral counseling, a written counseling, a reprimand, and, you know, progress on up. So I think it's, I think it really backs up quite to simply being clear on what are you trying to accomplish. So managers and supervisors have resources for a reason. And um, if it's perceived that something's not getting done or they're not leveraging those resources, then the clear expectation becomes to utilize the resources in a way that delivers. Or if they're overstaffed, then you perhaps there's a you can deploy those resources to where they could be used in another more meaningful way. If everything is getting done, but you're still not seeing people as being um, fully utilized or developed. Um, Jenny, your thoughts? Yeah, I actually heard Chloe's question a little different. I I wasn't hearing, and maybe, Valerie, you can correct me on this, please. I wasn't really hearing so much as it being a problematic situation, but how to kind of step it up. Oh, so what was Chloe's question again, Valerie? Read it. That's a good point. Yes, what is the key to getting managers to develop their direct reports? Hmm. So I, I, I mean, I think it is ambiguous, but, you know, I, I'm looking at this in terms of any time we're wanting to develop anything, um, it, there's some risk-taking involved, and mm-hmm. I'm not looking at it as someone not doing their job, but more of how we invest in. That's a great point, and let's talk more about that when we come back from break, because I think you are on maybe a track where Chloe actually might have been coming from. So, Chloe, stay with us. We'll ask our other listeners to stay with us. And, Jenny, when we come back from break, I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on that. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. 
From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Uh, Jenny, before we went to break, you had a um, a different twist on the question from Coy, which I absolutely agree with, because I think this, the stage in the, or the, say the space that I was in was really thinking how do managers get their staff to perform, and really, I think Coy is asking um, how do managers actually de- uh, how do you get a manager to develop their people? It's not it, so that's a whole other space. Let's go into that space and have you kind of talk about that. Well, when I was listening to to your response and also Chloe's question specifically and trying to really understand what she was asking, um, to me my initial kind of response is that there's some risk involved because the moment you step out and you try and develop other people to take on either responsibility and I mean this in the most positive sense, there's an investment of time. Um, because when you're developing people, you're taking them and asking them to stretch and kind of go to the next level. And I'm assuming that that throughout this relationship, there's there's want of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the time investment is really critical. And I think um, appraisal. Now, most of us do annual appraisals and are lucky enough to get that kind of feedback or give that kind of feedback. But I think it needs to be really accurate. Mm-hmm. Appraisal, mm-hmm. um, annual, you know, whether it's annually or quarterly or ever again, one really goes about saying how how to develop other people. Um, so that includes feedback. Um, I think it's also delegating, and that's where the risk for me comes in. Um, how how can you use parts of your own job to develop others? And so the question is, is this something I can ask, you know, Sarah to do because 
this will be helpful. And I'll be there and I'll create the safety net, but it's really the risk-taking and the time investment, I think, from my perspective. I absolutely love that because I think without it being safe to do so, so if we think how, so then for the manager to do it, the manager has to feel like they have some latitude mm-hmm. and um, there really has to be what one might describe as that um, or what really helps, one might say, if you have a culture where mm-hmm. learning and growth is really um, is really valued because then it makes it safe to take those risks that, Jenny, you're talking about. Yeah. And, and it and makes it good to invest that, the time. Yeah. Sorry mm-hmm. to speak over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could even take it back to the, the earlier question we have from Carolyn because I think it's related to that power and misconceived control. Mm-hmm. It, we're not willing to kind of share the responsibility to help develop our mm-hmm. direct reports. We're either too cautious or too conservative or we get paralyzed by the risk factor because I think that is something we have to own. Mm-hmm. Hey, I would add it. to mm-hmm. that, Dr. G, something yeah. you always um, talk about, and that is using performance appraisal um, and the improvement process in a more, more in a developmental way versus mm-hmm. a judgmental mm-hmm. and punitive. So part of that work with direct reports is as a part of their performance reviews, what are we working on? What what are the goals? And then using that to help develop the employee over the course of the year versus using that's a good tool to help managers mm-hmm. develop direct reports. Because yeah. usually it's more punitive what you didn't do, mm-hmm. you know, what you need to get done. But if you use it in a way to develop the employee, it supports managers and direct reports in getting direct reports to where they want to be and need to be. Yeah, that's a great point. And I see more and more organizations leaning toward ensuring that the appraisal process includes developmental um, aspects with regards to goals and ceasing opportunities for growth. Um, I think that's one of the things that's nice about the uh, what the Head Start um, grant is requiring of their grantees with regards to all of the employees having professional development plans, too. It's it's embedded in the culture because now it's something that's expected. It's a performance standard that um, development happens. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think the other is rewarding managers for developing employees. You know, as employees develop, it's directly tied to performance. And it's what you always talk about, what's um, supported and rewarded in the organization, model supported and rewarded. And as the managers model this development of direct reports, there should be some reward for that work, that extra effort, Jenny, you know, in terms of taking the risk mm-hmm. of investing in a person to, to help them improve. Right, and rewarding doesn't necessarily have to be a formal reward as much as something that incentivizes, no. which it could be just a compliment. It could be an acknowledgement. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you, Valerie. And and uh, also, um, Jenny, I think that gives Chloe some good food for thought. Valerie, any other questions from our listening audience? I have a question from Boyce in California. Boyce states, I am an engineer interested in obtaining a management position either in nonprofit or municipal government. 
is there some type of assessment that would help me with assessing what my strengths are and what positions would match my interests and stir my passion? Oh, yeah, I have my biases on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Then you have to go first. No, I absolutely um, am really big on um, understanding and studying temperament, interaction styles, the MBTI, I think Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, Type Dynamics. The thing that I like about each of those particular instruments is that they fold very nicely together. So whether you're looking at the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator or whether you're looking at um, temperament and you can look at David Kersey's model or Linda Barron's model or interaction style, they all give us some clues as to what are some natural gifts that we have and what are some things that really feed our our passion. And so uh, I think each of those things can be very helpful as it relates to um, kind of getting in touch with, you know, what might be that inspiring space for me to kind of step into and uh, really be able to, um, you know, I think it goes back to even what you said at the beginning of the show, Jenny, you know, I want to understand myself so I can be authentic. When I can start using my natural gifts and abilities, it really aids that process. It's not so much my adaptive skills. It's not the only thing that I'm going to do, but I'm relying more and aligning more with those things that I'm gifted at. So I think those self-awareness tools um, can help someone just continue to grow in their self-awareness and begin to stir their passion as they get clearer on um, on their interest. And the MBTI, Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, can also be ran according with or in, in, um, in a way that uh, you can braid it with the strong Campbell and come up with a really good um, tool for pushing back some more data point and saying, gosh, you know, really, what am I not interested in and what am I interested in and how does my interest align with some of those things that might have some natural gifts and aptitudes to do as well. Jenny, your thoughts? And I, whenever I think of, of these tests, because I have biases too, um, I think that sometimes people misconstrue these kind of inventories as personality assessments. And we have to be really careful not to think of them as personality assessments, but um, much more as characteristic kinds of things that we might enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yes, I yes, think tools for increasing awareness. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it should be used as a data point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, so I think, Boyce, really, uh, your question was what are some types of assessments? And um, And I think that, you know, I think those are those are probably just my favorite, and I think they're my favorites because they can be used in a combined way that helps to validate, um, you know, find some alignment. It's not like just taking one assessment, but you're you're taking some that actually can help to validate and make sure that there's alignment between what you're finding and what you're experiencing. Uh, and, and really, the best person or best assessment. Is reflection. It's to really reflect on what have you been most excited when doing and, you know, what speaks most to your soul. So really, um, with the assessment or without the assessment, taking time to really um, push back and engage in some reflection is another great way of really looking at what are your strengths and what are your passion. 
I, I refer to Betsy Myers again only because I've just recently read her book on leadership, mm-hmm. taking the lead, take the lead, mm-hmm. and she talks about um, being being aware of freaking out with joy mm-hmm. in italics mm-hmm. when she talks about really mm-hmm. finding something, doing something, being in a position that resonates with you. Yeah. I just like that. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. What really just excites you when you get mm-hmm. the chance to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Wonderful. Boys from California, thank you so much for your question. Valerie, do you have another question for us? I do have a question from John. John's question is, how do you build great teams? We are often told as managers that we need to develop our teams. How do you go about building your team? Mm, wonderful. Jenny, you want to start us off with that one? Um, well, then I'm reminded of Collins. I didn't really know I read this much. But it reminds me of Jim Collins who talks about do you have the right people on the bus and are those people in the right seats. Mm-hmm. And so I think of building great teams as um, it really, in order to really get things accomplished, I think we've got to have a team, whether it's two people or whether it's 25. Um, and I think some of the strategies that I think of are the kinds of things that um, identify um, what needs to be accomplished, um, how do we get people really trusting one another, um, how can we make the impact that we need to make. And I also think having like a core nucleus is sometimes really important, even if that is just one or two people within the greater team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's a, those are great points. And I would add, I mean, there are really some, um, there's some studies that have been done with regards to transitioning groups from functioning as groups to really functioning as, uh, as teams. And so we want to add some of that as well. Looks like we need to take another short break. So I'm going to ask, um, you to stay with us and Valerie, you can cue us back up, uh, with that question at the beginning of our next, uh, segment. And we'll continue to respond to this question of how do we actually build great teams. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email drg at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. 
If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. And Valerie, I remember the question before we went to break. It was, how do we build great teams? Now, who is this question from? John. John. Oh, thank you, from John. Where's John? I, he didn't give his He didn't. Location. Okay. John, thank you for that question. Jenny, thank you for starting us off. I, I so agree with regards to getting the right people, uh, and I do like um, Colin's work on um, – what is the name of that book? Um, From Good to, to Great. From Good to Great. Thank you. And uh, so I, I think another stepping back to from like getting the right people is figuring out clearly what it is you need, and then figuring out um, certainly, as Jenny said, you know who who are the people who could deliver that, who has those knowledge, skills, and abilities to kind of uh, take things forward. And I think transitioning groups to team, and I cannot remember where this formula came from or who initially came up with these, but we've lived by them or I've lived by them in my practice for so long um, that they just kind of come to mind, and that is there are four um, elements to a team, and the first one being a shared goal. So if I'm going to transition a group of individuals from from functioning as a group of individuals to beginning to transition into being a team, it's making sure they're clear on the goal. Uh, the second one is interdependency. Um, really ensuring that the members understand how they are interdependent upon each other. And the uh, third one is making sure not only that there's interdependency, but that they really clearly believe that they're going to get further working together than working apart. And then accountability, meaning that there's consequences if the goal isn't met so that everyone understands that um uh, that we need to do this, the accountability piece that there's consequences if the goal doesn't get met helps us to rise out of conflict and rise out of challenges and come together to achieve that goal, um, you know, so that the organization can continue to thrive. And um, so I, I say as a leader really thinking about what is the shared goal, how are people interdependent, how will they get further working together than working apart, and what will be the consequences if the goal is not accomplished, and being able to um, have others, being able to get clear on that ourselves, have others add to our thinking on that, and embrace and understand that is a good way of transitioning that a group of individuals, and hopefully you've collected the right group to begin with, but to really have them transition into having some synergy as a, um, as a team. Mm-hmm. Any additional thoughts, Jenny or Valerie? Yeah, um, I would agree with what you've said. I, I just I, listeners have heard me say this over and over again. I think it really comes down to relationships. Yes, you need people who are competent, who have the aptitude, and all of those other things. But at the end of the day, to really make a great team, it's about relationships, building the trust, really collaborating well. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. No, I agree wholeheartedly because I don't think, I think part of the understanding that we're going to get further working together than working apart does take us into that space of of the basics. We do have to be able to um, 
feel like we have, you know, that we have each other's best interest at heart as well as the organization's best interest at heart. And and um, fundamentally, I think intrapersonal and interpersonal skills and cultural competencies are probably a fundamental um, stage that most of the questions that um, as they come into us, we can answer with regards to need to be able to be self-aware and self-regulate, need to be able to work effectively with others and mm-hmm. build those relationships, and need to understand the context in which you're trying to work in and have some cultural competence for the individual as well as the space that you're navigating. So I agree wholeheartedly. Can't do those basics um, or really can't do those things on top of the basics without doing the basics because they're the foundation. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Valerie, anything you'd add? No, I think you guys have covered it, yeah. Okay. Any other questions? Oh, yes. I have a question from Valerie in California. Okay. Uh, The question is, in the face of what we are experiencing in this economy, companies are opting to allow certain employees to work at home connected to work by the Internet. How does this tele how does this telecommuting impact leaders who have significantly less face to face contact with employees? Mhm. I love this question. I do too. Go for it. You know, I, I I think that we're all struggling more and more with virtual leadership. It's kind of a term that I hear over and over and over. And um yes, there are all the aspects of team building and leadership and everything that we need to be doing as leaders, but then there's this thing called human interpersonal relationships. And, um, you know, it's been called emotion and intelligence, but I think it's really at the core all about communication because you don't have that face-to-face time. And so I think that those of us that are working, for example, we have a really large behavioral health care here at Jewish Family and Children's Services. And um, our supervisor probably only sees physically um, all of our therapists maybe three times a year. The rest of the time it's all on the phone, um, communicating via email. And so it's created a situation where we've really had to hone in as leaders, really hone in on communication. You don't get the body language reactions. You don't get any of the feedback that we would normally have when we're working one-on-one. So we've created um, and have had a team that has really been focused on how to create long distance, if you would, and we've, we've stolen, if you borrowed maybe, borrowed some concepts from long-distance learning in terms of how you actually create the structure and understand the big picture and how you communicate about the big picture. Um, And then we have a folder kind of of best practices, the do's and don'ts of how we're going to communicate with one another and what our experiences have been. Sometimes we've had to re-engineer how we fax or scan documents and send, and we've also had to pay more attention to HIPAA because we're so integrating the long-distance piece, the virtual piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think those are just some of the areas and the issues, but it has taken us stepping back and really revisiting how we're going to communicate 
Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I think leveraging technology mm-hmm. is such an important part of it. Mm-hmm. And then also really being able to get clear on objectives. Um, because I think as managers, it, it really takes them away from being able to manage by seat time, you know. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I see you, and because I see you doing something and you look busy, then I think you're earning your paycheck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may not right. see you, but I need to be able to get clear on objectives. And as I'm clear on objectives and I can look at your deliverables and I can see the value that you're adding. And so I think as managers who are actually um, managing more by um, in, in virtual ways, we have more connection electronically and telephonically, then it's, um, I can't see you do the work, so how I gauge whether or not you're performing is I have to have clear expectations with clear deliverables and a way to monitor that we're getting what it is we need to get done, done. Mm-hmm. I think that's another impact that it has on on leaders. And and I would imagine that the majority of us in the nonprofit and, and kind of public sector might at least have met with the people or our employees or or other leaders that we're working with through virtual kind of modalities. Mm -hmm. But think about those corporations where they're doing it globally and and have to learn about different cultures, Mm -hmm. and not that we don't, but, I mean, different countries that they've never met people in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and still be in leadership positions. So the impact... I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think know. we're right. going to continue learning in this arena. Right. Exactly. I, we've had um, coaching clients in Singapore and other places where we've never met them mm-hmm. physically, mm-hmm. Um, but we'll send pictures. Mm-hmm. So they, I can look at their picture, they look at my picture, and then it's telephonic, mm-hmm. and we can have conversations that, that way as well as through emails. And mm-hmm. and it is the wave of, you know, kind of like how how things are going these days. You have more and more. Skype. Yes, mm-hmm. we it's use different. that in our company, Skype. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have clients back in San Diego mm-hmm. and um, have held meetings using Skype, and it it, it helps. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think Valerie's a wonderful example of that. When she left San Diego and moved to Florida, we were able to continue our relationship and working together through all the electronic um, right. means and things that are available. So wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that question. Looks like we are out of town. I mean, out of town, out of time. <laughs> um, Valerie and uh, Jenny, thank you both. And thank you also to our listening audience for tuning in. Please join us next week on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.